Welcome to the Power Up Show. You're with Mia and Paul. And as always, we're asking you the question, how can we take your business to the next level? Paul, what is on the agenda today? Good afternoon, Mia. Good afternoon, everybody. And we've got another great agenda coming up for everybody today. Um, first of all, um, in a few moments' time, we'll um, be going through uh, some Q&As that have come through from uh, our different social media channels. And, of course, we didn't get a chance to do that last week. So we've backed up on quite a number of questions at the moment. So <laughs> I've selected uh, four um, really good ones for us to, to go through. Um, and then uh, for a lot of the show today, we'll be, we've got our guest here today, Frank Choi. Uh, Frank joins us from Capstone Business Consulting and he's someone who's got a wealth of experience he's going to share which is going to be fantastic for, uh, for our business owners. Now business I today. know Frank is your bromance he and is. I feel like I might <laughs> <laughs> I might be a little bit left out of this conversation Don't worry Mia, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll include you, don't worry about that um, So we spend time, a good time chatting through with Frank today and then uh, before the end of the show we'll have Julie and Anne in from uh, Pick and Mix and they'll be going through what's in on their show today as well. You're listening to The Power Up, we're live 90.5 with Mira and Paul. And you're back with Mira and Paul on the Power Up Show at Live 90.5. Paul, we haven't had Q&As for a while, as we've said, and mm. uh, I know that you are in charge of that email and that inbox. Mm. Mm. <laughs> You've been looking a little frazzled the last couple of yes, weeks because we've indeed. missed it. So talk to me, what have we got? Okay, so to unload some of the questions that have been coming through, the first question came through from uh, from Jill, uh, and Jill said in response to a uh, guest last week, uh, Chris Slack, I've been trying to get business finance with XSS for a while, and your guest, your guest Chris seemed to be an expert. Um, I wanted to know how she can get in touch with uh, with Chris. Now, one thing that we'd say there is if you want to send us a message to you through our LinkedIn profiles or our Facebook page, we'll happily put you in touch with Chris and yeah, uh, hopefully absolutely. can help you. And there was a number of people, interestingly enough, because Chris did mention in the interview that he was able to you know, he, he did the finance that was put in the too hard basket. Yes, that's right. And yeah. some of the emails that we got about people trying to get in touch with Chris um, around that, about some of their finance, was just phenomenal. I couldn't believe mm, it. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, very happy to pass on Chris's details through uh, through our social social media. Uh, the next question came in from uh, from Helen, and uh, Helen said, I'm trying to use uh, – sorry, I'm trying to use LinkedIn to generate uh, sales, and uh, please could you share some tips? And I'm going to completely handball this one <laughs> across to yourself, Mia, being that you're the uh, the – uh, you're, you're the guru. I know you're not the uh, the ninja, but you're yeah. the guru. I know who the. I, know I who, think we're losing. I, using I know the word who the ninja guru. is, though. <laughs> we're using the word guru a little loosely here, but yeah. <laughs> and sorry, who was that that asked the question? Uh, Helen. Helen. Helen and everybody that's on LinkedIn, it's a very interesting question because LinkedIn is a long term strategy. It's sort of a mid to long term strategy. And it's like going to a networking event and that's how you need to see it. You need to be able to show people that they can trust you, that the information that you have for them is relevant and of value. You can't jump on LinkedIn and just start selling to people going, hey, my name is Paul and I'm going to offer you X, Y and Z. People don't like being sold to, but they do like to buy. Mm -hmm. So we don't like being sold to. We do like to buy. Don't be throwing stuff down our throat all the time. Don't send us emails saying, hey, I've got this product I want to sell to you or whatever the case is. And I get heaps of those. I just delete now and unconnect with whoever it was that connected with me. Unsubscribe immediately. Helen, it's a long-term strategy. I need you to start putting out content that is relevant, relevant to business. Do not confuse Facebook with LinkedIn. That's a very important distinguisher to make. 
put content out that is relevant. Be regular. Twice a week is more than enough time. And then just see who's commenting, who's liking, who's engaging with your posts. And slowly after time, you will build up a community of people who are interested in what you have to say. And in time, and I would say give it about three months if you're still training LinkedIn to respond to you and to to show your content to the right people. You can then every now and again throw in a sales post. But for the most part, we are engaging in people and giving them things to think about and tools and strategies in which they can implement things into their business that's really good I mean, look have no fear Helen because it's still something I'm very much uh, learning <laughs> myself on as well and uh, there's a lot more I can certainly do there um, our next question that I'm going to cover off uh, came from Graham Graham said um, having a number of issues with an employee is not meeting their performance targets and also has some timekeeping issues um, and uh, can I finish their employment would you like me to handle that one, Mia? Well, I have a theory around this, and that is, you know, people are only really engaged for the first three or four hours a day. So when you say that someone has got timekeeping issues, I imagine that most people have timekeeping issues. But anyway, that's another day. So, yeah, I think you'd probably be the best one because my empathy sometimes is a little bit lower than it should be. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. So, look, I think it depends on the circumstances there. I think that, um, you know, it, I don't know how long this employee's uh, been, been, been employed for, but um, I think it depends on the circumstances how long they've been employed for. Are they within their probationary period? Um, and also, have they been in a situation whereby, if they're outside the probationary period, have they have a number of um, conversations and warnings that have led up to it? Um, because um, you know, it's fair to say, as I often say, that um, employment law um, is very much there for protection of employees, and process is really important to uh, to make sure that um, you know you're keeping yourself in a situation whereby you're avoiding an issue going into into legal territory. And so, from, um, from my perspective, Paul, when I, when you get questions like this and you get called in, some of the things that I deal with from my side of of business is, well, what are the targets that you've actually set and have they mm. been verbalised, vocalised, written down? Does the employee actually know what the expectation is? And more often than not, before anything else starts, there's actually no expectation set. That's right, yeah. And that can be that can be a problem sometimes, a lack of communication, a lack of communication about what's expected. Mm. Um, and uh, and that, that, that can... That can be the unraveling, and it can make things a lot uh, a lot harder. But certainly, I think the, um, yeah to answer Graham's question there, I think look, there's a there's a number of things there that need to need to be need to be aware of um, in terms of making sure that you don't um, you know don't sort of like rush too quickly and um, and make sure you get the right the right kind of advice to be able to help you with that. Uh, the next question came from Jeff, uh, and Jeff said, um, I'm observing several personality clashes uh, within my team, and uh, can we provide um, <laughs> any tips? Uh, this is a, this, we, could, we could widen this one out quite a bit, oh. really, could we? So uh, but it can be obviously disabling if we've got a team that's not functioning well. And uh, It becomes and destructive, doesn't it? It does, that's right, absolutely right. And I and think it's... We were talking with our guest earlier about ego. When ego gets around the board table, that's when you know you got to set that extra place for the ego. You got to widen the door frame just to get the <laughs> ego through the door. <laughs> got to make sure he's sitting at the head of the table. I mean, ego is a big problem, and it would be determining the ego. Mm, but mm, mm. when we have those construct constructive or destructive, should I say, relationships, it's so important to get in some psychometric testing, don't you think? Uh, well, that was where I was thinking on this one as well. Um, and there are a number of uh, products out there. Um, there is even one. That deals with reproductive conflict um, as well through through disc, and that's uh, and that and that could be a one way of um, 
of actually trying to make sure that because um, clearly obviously it sounds like if you've got some personality crashes maybe you've got some strong personalities maybe mm. you've actually got um, an opportunity to turn some people who've got some great ideas um, into some constructive debate and um, and that might actually add value rather than thinking there's personality crashes mm. and things aren't working. And interestingly enough I worked in a workplace place where we had this destructive relationship happening and after a DISC profile and a debrief of both parties it turned out that they were actually both going the same direction they were just taking very different paths and mm. once they learned how to talk to each other and how each one responded to different situations that conflict went very very quickly look it was a learned and trained mm. Um, mm. Uh, period that we had to go through but it went very quickly considering it had been going on for about 12 years before the DISC profile happened and we could actually start to see the production levels start to increase profitability started to increase overall workplace culture we became happier mm. and it was something as simple as doing that psychometric testing something like a DISC test hey, hey, look and, and it's one of those things it can uh, sometimes people might think oh we don't need to do that but it's, uh, it's, it's amazing the value that people actually get out from going through psychometrics um, mm, certainly something I've been on for years Okay, well, that uh, covers our Q&A for the day. And as Mia said, we've got a bit behind on those at the moment. So but please do keep your questions coming through. We always love receiving them. We'll be able to help as many people as we can. You're listening to Power Up with Mia and Paul on Live 90.5. We're back soon with our guest, Frank Choi. And, Paul, your bromance is in the studio <laughs> with us today. I've heard so much about him. I've only met him for the first time today. Frank's looking nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll protect you, friends. Good. Don't worry. <laughs> I got you covered. Right. <laughs> I've heard so many things about Frank for some time now, and yes. finally you have released I've him out him of his here. cage. Yeah, that's right. And he's, let uh, the rest of the world he see. He travelled all the way out, uh, out west for us to be today, and um, one of our few guests that hasn't got lost on the way to the studio, or maybe one of the presenters that hasn't got lost on the way to the studio, as I, as I did twice myself. <laughs> um, so uh, welcome, uh, Frank Troy from Capstone Consulting. Welcome. Thank you, Frank, for being with us today. Good morning. Good afternoon. It's good afternoon. Yeah, afternoon. Into, yeah, we haven't had a lunch, but it's uh, yes. definitely afternoon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so Frank uh, basically has, uh, works for Capstone Consulting in a management consultant role. And uh, Frank started his career as an auditor in PwC and has got a wealth of experience in, in finance and business consulting for businesses and all, all kinds of industries. So, um, so welcome, Frank. And uh, it's fantastic having you today. I must, I must say um, to, to both of you as well, in terms of, uh, you know, you two people that I've enjoyed spending time. Time with, and uh, it's great for me that you're actually in the same room at the same time. So, Your um, checks in the mail. Don't, yeah. don't, don't catch That's it right. for a while, though. Yes, I'll buy you a beer. That's right. <laughs> it's so, great, great to be here. Oh, fabulous. Thank great to have you with And look, I think it's fair to say that, uh, you know, for both of you, both people that I think. Um, you know, I've found to be fabulous collaborators and networkers as well. So uh, that's enough superlatives for me. I think I've expressed my, uh, you know, yes. my, my thanks to you both. And uh, Mia, we got that usual game where I yes. uh, where I lose to uh, to get what's warmed up. But you don't have to lose, seriously. <laughs> no, no, I don't have to lose. I normally just do lose anyway because of my uh, lack of uh, my lack of knowledge for the um, for the questions you have in your little magic tin. Okay, there. well, you saw me today in front of Frank, randomly pull out cards. Frank had no access to them, so there is no excuse today, and no crying after the show. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, what's the score, by the way? Um, Give me a four-one to our guests. About that, yeah. Yeah, yeah four-one so. to our guests. So yeah. you ready to make it five-one? Let's keep it rolling. Okay, <laughs> you use your name as your buzzers, so if you know the answer, yell out the name. Paul, you can be Frederick today. <laughs> <laughs> it's too confusing. <laughs> All right, let's go. I am a city. I am in Europe. I lie on both banks of the Dunabi River. 
I'm home to the world's oldest existing zoo. I am known for my coffee houses. I'm also known for my Sasha Torte. No, Frank. Yes. Vienna. Yes. Ooh. I was, I was nowhere near there. If it, is, if it exists, in which mountain range would you find a Yeti? Frank. Yes. The Himalayas. Beautiful. Uh, which river is the setting for Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn? Paul. Yes. Mississippi. Beautiful. I was going to ask you to test your microphone, actually, because <laughs> maybe it wasn't. Just to check whether it's actually, actually working. It's actually, it is actually switched on, yeah. I thought maybe you left the studio. None of us left. <laughs> <laughs> I was very quiet for a while. All right. Uh, in which German city, city is the Brandenburg Gate? Frank. Yes. Berlin. Yes. Paul, I mean, we can carry on. My oh, yeah, it is working. <laughs> yeah. Shall we let Paul back in? Yeah, game? let me back yeah. in. So, turn my microphone back on, please, Mia. All right, here's a... Paul. Frank, let's give Paul a Paul Yes. Okay, you ready, Paul? Yes. Who am I? I'm an explorer. I was born in Italy in 1451 and died in 1506. To Paul. indigenous... Yes. Napoleon. No. To indigenous people, I am destro- I am a destroyer of their ways. No, I was not born Paul. in 1451. I was going to say, if, if, yeah, Crick wasn't born in 1451, was no, he? No, I wasn't either. Okay. <laughs> Shall I put him out of his misery? Yeah, please do. Yeah, please do. Frank here. Yeah. Christopher Columbus. Yes. Oh. Paul? Yes, I've lost. That's, uh, can I quit now? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could carry on because I've got more questions. <laughs> no, no, no. I think we have to give some easy ones. Prove, prove, prove the yeah. point. Uh, let's go for... Here we go. Here's a Paul, s- River Thames. Oh, sorry. Uh, okay, Paul. <laughs> All right, this I'll is give you the answers you, first. And, and you've given me half the answer, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm a famous structure. I am in Asia. Shocking conditions were endured while making me. I was built by Allied prisoners of war. The Japanese oversaw my construction. Yes, I was portrayed the, in a nice. Is, is it a bridge? <laughs> yes. And is it over the River Kwai? Yes. Oh, there you go. Okay, good news, Frank. You well done. Won. I got, I got, I got <laughs> something correct. Yes. Well, well done, Frank. You won. <laughs> Next week, our topic for for the game will be: Can you count to ten in order? <laughs> no, I joke. Uh, Frank, when we come back, we're going to start chatting to you, um, and we're going to talk about business challenges. And this is probably one of the biggest, I would say, obstacles that businesses don't actually acknowledge to each other, that those are their challenges. And if they don't talk about the challenges, they don't speak to somebody to to verbalize what they're going through, how do they know what the challenges are? And more importantly, how do they know how to overcome these challenges? You're listening to a 90.5, uh, Power Up with me and Paul and our guest today, Frank Choi. Gotta love that kung fu farting. It's been many years since I've heard that song, so just had to quickly jump it not in so, there. Not so many years for me, um, but anyway. <laughs> it just says a little about the music taste, isn't it, really? <laughs> Okay, so Frank, we are going to get started and I know I jumped in and I said we were going to talk about the um, business challenges and go through business challenges. We did have a quick discussion about keys to a great business. So where would you like to to start with this? Let's talk quickly about the keys to, you know, great or excellent successful business. And it's quite simple. You know, a lot of business owners go into business thinking I'm a you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter whether you're a white-collar accountant, lawyer, and so on, or a tradie or a builder, um, and yet fell miserably. The statistics are very simple. You know, 80 to 90% of business startups fail. 
And there's a number of reasons for that. One is that not everyone is born to be a business manager. It's certainly not taught that at school or TAFE or university. Mm. Importantly, having said that, there's plenty of opportunities to seek help. For example, there's free help available from the New South Wales government in terms of getting business coaching, etc get you on your way and obviously out in the world uh, there's you know your accountant your tax advisors and so on who keep you on the straight and narrow the important thing about, about business is to have a vision about what you would like to achieve mm-hmm. it's not simply I want to set up shop as a doctor lawyer or builder and so on because it's about you know the medium and long term whether it's five years ten years and so on a lot of a lot of people don't think like that. The important thing is to keep in mind here in Sydney at least, it, you know, you've got a population of five million, there's plenty of opportunities and so on. It's most important to get advice and, you know, have that passion because passion will disappear mm. as you encounter difficulties and so on. So can quite I simply just ask you, sorry, can I just quickly jump in? I wanted to ask you, you said not everybody's born to be a business manager versus being a business owner. Are, are the words interchangeable or are you viewing it as two different aspects? They're two different things. It, it's fine being a business owner. And the most important thing is to realize that, uh, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. Um Typically, you're good at something technically, um, you know, again, doctor, lawyer, and so on, or a builder, a carpenter, electrician, and so on. What's really important is to have a plan, a business plan, and also in that plan, how are you going to win customers, and how are you going to deliver your products and services, and how are you going to track your business and manage it? It's not hard. However, you know, for example, you need to keep records accordingly. A bookkeeper is in order, whether it's your wife or you hire someone to do it. Why information is very important. You've got to have budgets, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the basic things mm-hmm. of managing a business. Uh, when you don't do that, as a lot of business owners run their business simply by looking at their bank account and they go, oh, there's no money <laughs> in the bank, <laughs> we better do some invoicing or collect some money and so on. Uh, this is very reactionary and it's quite simple when you're passionate about what you do to be successful. So quite simply, get some advice, get some systems in and focus on getting business and being excellent about delivering that business and it's interesting, something that you've said now, it's focus on getting business in because from from my perspective or from, from my observation, Paul, I don't know if you've seen this too, is that new business owners, they like to go with the fancy things. Oh, I've got my website, I've got my business cards, I've got, if they've got an office, I've got this and that and the, the other things. They're spending money hmm. and the customers aren't coming in. It's almost like the customer is fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh down the list of things to do. But at the end of the day, is my customer not paying my bill? Should that not be a priority when I start my business? It, it certainly is a priority in terms of, you know, once you get a customer to make sure, A, that you invoice the customer and, and secondly, 
make sure your terms and conditions are clear to say whether it's seven days or cash on delivery, seven days, 14 days, mm. 30 days, and so on. And make sure you ask for that money. It's very simple. The squeaky door, you know, works. When you ask for money, people will pay you as long <laughs> as you've done a good job. Because it's something that right? comes second nature. And, and, and just in terms of the billing, I mean, I, uh, I don't know whether either you know that. I actually started my career working in credit control. So to me, in terms of there's, 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 <laughs> there's bills going out and they're paid or they're not paid, and I get into it, it becomes second nature to me. But it, it's interesting how, I guess, there's a lot of people out there that get so busy and so entrenched about, and maybe that's almost where that passion almost works in reverse. They're passionate in terms of what they're about to deliver rather than necessarily the what I call the the back office engine room of the business, and um, and I think as you quite rightly say, Frank, I think about having those um, those processes and procedures in place, and having the right people around you, the right advice is, is so is so critical. You've mm. you've raised something, Frank and, and Paul. You've touched on it too about asking for money. If you've got an invoice, ask for the money. Now I know that I've worked with business before where there seems to be almost that block so to speak where they actually don't want to pick up the phone and say hey frank we've got an outstanding invoice when do you think you're going to pay that is that something in your experience that is more often than not that people don't actually want to follow up on their money that's absolutely correct it doesn't matter who it is in terms of which professional industry i've seen uh, accountants lawyers and apologies for that. We're just having a few seconds. We've got a few. We've got grimness in the system today. It seems. <laughs> but you know what? I have to say, Gillian, don't run away. You're all so familiar with Gillian. She basically runs this place like a magician. <laughs> yeah, we lost without her. <laughs> yeah. Gillian, thank you. Please don't go anywhere further. Oh, there's Darren, our technical guru, who was running away too. <laughs> we need we need a few technical gurus around here today. Now, before we were rudely interrupted, there we were talking to talking to Frank, and I think we were talking about. Um, uh, asking, get, for money. asking for money and uh, money coming in. Sorry, Frank. We'll, uh, we'll get on we'll track. Super apologies. For that, Frank. <laughs> Let's put a coin in the machine. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah, we'll put a fifty cents coin in the machine. When, and hopefully, we we're back the, up and running again. When we, when we ask you the question about what to expect in twenty thirty, we'll just gloss over the fact that robots will take over the world. <laughs> yes, indeed. Look, the, one of the key challenges in business is cash flow and. Um, Certainly the collection of outstanding invoices is one of them. It's not um, you know, unique to any industry. All industries are susceptible to it. For some reason, people leave it either to the last minute or neglect it. And, and really, it's very, one very simple principle to keep in mind, um, and it's, it's this. And you imagine yourself you know, receiving a service, doesn't matter what it is, your plumber, your electrician, your accountant, and they don't, inv- A, they don't invoice you for a month, and then they don't bother asking you for the money. Two or three months later, and they suddenly come out of the blue and ask you for money. And typically the reaction is one of almost disbelief and in- indignation because it's a basic principle of receiving value for money and the value has been consumed and when it comes to collecting the cash there's a bit of resentment because the customer has spent the money elsewhere so it's very important to go and ask for the money uh, if, if you're a small trader for example at, you know a trader going on site to do repairs for washing machine or whatever Make sure it's cash on delivery. Do not leave the premises. It adds to your administration burden and more likely than not, 
it's going to slow down the payment. Mm. Us for the money. Mm. Why do you think business owners have this block asking for money? I mean, it's the most fundamental part of your business is getting paid. We don't like to work for free. Well, I don't like to work for free, Paul. No, I don't like to work for free either. But yet, (laughs) and I know, look, I've done a financial manager role where I've had to phone and chase up money. And interestingly enough, one of the things I saw, so when I started my own business, I was very aware of this. Mm. There are companies out there, big organizations too, who have approved your payments. It's ready to go. But what they are waiting for is for you to pick up the phone and go, hey, Frank, you owe me money. When is that going to pay? I'll do the run today quickly. So what's stopping small business owners? What is that mindset? What do they have to overcome in order to remove this challenge from their business? As a business owner, it's very important that you have this concept that you have done a great job and therefore the remuneration for your service is something which you're entitled to. Do not think that you're inconveniencing the customer asking for money. It's as simple as that. And as I mentioned before, do it now. Don't do it later because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the customer will forget about the value of the service. Mm-hmm. The longer you leave it and guarantee you when it hits six months, virtually impossible to pick up. Mm, mm, mm. I liken it a little bit to Woolworths. You know, every time I walk out of Woolworths, there's this expectation they're gonna, I'm going to pay. They don't like chasing after me if I haven't paid. <laughs> Security don't like it. So, you know, as a business owner, I believe we need to understand it's the same yep. concept. I'll give you something, pay me for it. And it's interesting because I think that, uh, and, and Frank talked a little bit about with your traders as well that go um, to premises and, uh, and complete a job. And I think one of the things I think that technology makes it a lot easier perhaps than would have been the case in the past in terms of, you know, so many automated payment systems now. Um, you know, I remember having someone come uh, to our house uh, you know, a few months back and uh, just able just to pay, you know, directly by car because they had the right, you know, the right machine on them. Yeah. It's and a lot easier it easy than it used to, to be. Yeah. Frank, yeah. that's a big one. Make it easy for people to pay you. Make mm. it easy for people to pay you and, you know, carry your, you know, FBOS machine mm. or whatever. Mm. Um, and make sure you have your credit card facility set up. Mm. It, it's a small price to pay, you know. It's a huge cost chasing for money. Mm. You have to employ someone to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing which I want to mention, uh, tradies who work uh, on major projects and where there's uh, retentions which are not payable until 12 months after the end of the project, um, make sure that you keep records of it and chase up in 12 months time because your head contractor or the builder will you know find ways not to pay you and you're 100% entitled to that retention it's big bucks it's an interesting concept that you're going through now because you know Paul you and I are not on the payment side of things within the business but time and time again you hear people complaining that they're not getting paid and you've just raised a very good point did you ask them for money did you make it easy enough for them to pay Correct. Frank, so you've spoken about the keys to excellence. Um, you've said that not everybody is born a business manager, but there is sufficient help around there, around for them not to be, that, that shouldn't be a block, that shouldn't be the reason they fail. Uh, having a vision, you know, what do you want to achieve? What are you delivering? How are you delivering it? So again, if you've spoken that through and you understand why you're going to a business, that shouldn't be the reason that your business fails. Are there any other keys? Look, the most important thing, apart from the vision, is to have that 
business plan and business plans are not something vague it's it's very you know these are very simple business generally is a very simple um, you know concept it's about buying and selling you know you have customers you have supplies whether it's a labor force or whether it's material supplies and it's important thing is to get your costs under control make sure you have your marketing and sales uh, running well to attract customers and then the most important thing is to de deliver excellent um, service to your customers because and that, that's where a lot of businesses fail because um, they, they don't look after the customers because of competition the customers next time will go down the road so mm. it's very important to keep in in mind this concept of you know excellent customer service where you build relationships where you get repeat business mm -hmm. doesn't matter what sort of business you're running uh, except perhaps hopefully not a brain surgeon <laughs> one, of, one of those right um you actually know. in my spare time i didn't want to bring it up <laughs> that's right <laughs> i've got a smile out of frank i cracked him finally <laughs> Business is a simple concept, and the most important thing is you're passionate about looking after your customers. Yep. You do great work, you know, as a builder, as an accountant, as a lawyer, and your customer relies on you to do a great job. You know, the number of times, I'll give you a very good example. You go to a coffee shop, I guarantee you, you can walk out of there without a single coffee, nothing, right? Happened to me this morning. I had to go to the counter and ask for a coffee, and then I had to go back to the coffee to ask for a meal. And they still forgot the coffee again. <laughs> so it is a challenge, and mm. and these are things which I work with my clients in terms of getting the basics right in terms mm. of engaging with mm. the customer. Mm. Because Absolutely. the most important feature, and I'll talk perhaps a bit later about sure. The most important key to success is people skills. Absolutely. It's a given that you're a good builder, you know, carpenter, and so on. It's how you engage with the customer. Well, Frank, we'd like to go into it a lot deeper, so we'll, we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk through that further. Thank you very much for listening to Alive 90.5. Pair up with me and Paul and our guest today, Frank Choi. Aretha Franklin's a little respect, and we don't need a gym, really. Just come to us on a Tuesday. <laughs> we'll have a dance away in the studio, that's yeah. right. Yeah, also, I, 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 I say mean, dance, dance or dance. So. <laughs> Although, I, I think my son has politely requested that I do not dance in public, so I'm not sure if this counts. <laughs> <laughs> public enough. Yeah. Anyway, um, before we um, before we went um, uh, to the break there for a song, we were talking with uh, with Frank Choi around um, some of the real important uh, parts and key factors of greatness, I guess, really, as well as I've heard Frank talk about this before um, for, for business owners. And, and, and Frank, we started to talk about the importance of people skills, so so maybe we can get, delve a little bit further into, into that there, um, if you like, and, uh, and just tell us about why it's important and what sort of skills and uh, background are important okay the, look the importance of people's skills is twofold one your core product or service and think about your cafe think about your electrician on site uh, whether it's commercial or residential these are the guys who are going to interact with the customers in the performance of their work <laughs> you know delivering coffees or non-existent coffees. That's <laughs> <laughs> the, the last time coffee. I ever recommend a cafe to you, Freyla. <laughs> I, I, I was pretty happy with the cafe, but I got a 
It was yes. a given it was going to be delivered to um, the counter. The, the electrician coming to uh, fix Mrs. Brown's stove and talking her through what's mm. happening mm, mm. Uh, instead of giving Mrs. Brown the silent treatment and then leaving her the invoice. Mm, she, mm. You know, she doesn't sense the value, the mm. value of the conference, you know, the product or service mm, mm. is that engagement with your customer as much mm. as possible. I'm not saying it's going to be a social event. It, it's mm. more that keeping your customer in the loop. Absolutely. Right. What is also important mm. as a business owner that you manage the process, that you make sure that the quality is consistent in terms of customer service yeah. and also that it's defect-free in terms of making sure that the customer gets their second or third cup of coffee, making sure that the electrician does his job and importantly, being productive about it because mm. the most important, uh, one of the most important resources in business is time and productivity. Mm. It's very important that business managers look A, for their staff to do their jobs well, mm. to keep the customer happy, and importantly, crack on with it to the next customer and the next customer. Do you think that, uh, um, one of the ways I think about this sometimes is that um, it goes back to when um, when people are given instructions, I guess process is very important, but how much of that also, because I always think about the example of um, uh, fast food chains without naming one, in terms of where process is very important, but then there's also that, that human element as well, in terms of um, there's that, that element of, um, a, a, I always call it the, the, the culture that actually um, gets um, the, some of the, the, the employees to think for themselves and think on their feet, things that um, are more difficult to teach rather than pure process because I, the way I look at it, some of the things you described there, um, there's, it's important to have a process in place but there's also that X factor as well um, do you think there's, is that the way you tend to think about uh, that, that stressing that and how that important that is? Oh, look, de definitely Paul, that, that's a very good question because in, in my work with clients once you get the standard operating system um, in place and understood by the staff, one of the most important things with the staff is then to say, okay guys, what happens when things do, don't go according to plan mm -hmm. and so on. And very important then you train them with the capabilities of the business and effectively give the employee the ability to look after the client, for example, if they drop a milkshake on the floor at Macca's, what are you going to do about it? A, clean up the mess to take away the risk and mm. importantly, mm. perhaps replace that spilt milkshake mm. or coffee. Mm. That is the importance of customer mm. service. Mm. Okay. Um, sorry, Mia. I was going to say, you had a question there. No, 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 no. We're heading into the news now. So I just wanted to wrap Frank up. I'm sorry to be so rude, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a little bit of Justin Timberlake before we get into the news. And then when we come back, Frank, we really want to talk about those uh, factors, uh, those challenges that we spoke mm. about. What are those sure. challenges? I think we might have yep. touched on one or two, but I'm actually interested to hear from your perspective and your years of experience. Yes, certainly. You're listening to Live 9.5 with Mia and Paul on Power Up. Uh, that gets today, Frank Choi. We have recently found out that Frank is an all-black supporter and he has told us, in spite of the fact that I'm Springboks and Paul, you are, what are those team called that come up from the north of wherever? Um, yeah, the little ones who wear the, the roses. Yes, correct. Oh, the, the flowers. The Frank is going to try uh, intimidate us with his version of the haka. We'll be back <laughs> shortly. 
Frank, I know we put you on the spot and we said you can try threaten us with the hocker, but Paul looked a little bit petrified and scared, so we might just move on and after the show I will live stream that for the two <laughs> <laughs> Either that or it might be technical difficulties that get, uh, get in the way, given we've had a few gremlins in the system today. Oh, <laughs> but you know what? Gremlins are what makes us great. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely here we go, right. Here we go. There we go. Hang on a oh no, he's trying to. He's, that's a cheat, Frank. <laughs> that is. That still strikes scary yeah. to me. Like, you know. It just proves my theory that all blacks are cheaters. <laughs> <laughs> just, you can't say that. You can't so say you're that. African team call the cheaters, <laughs> <laughs> which is quite just quietly. That's my team. I support the cheaters. Why am I not surprised? No, sorry. <laughs> Anyway, before we we'll forget this, uh, <laughs> before we this rugby, rugby banter <laughs> um, from different parts of the globe, um, we're back now with Frank Choi, and uh, we were talking earlier on before the break about the importance of, uh, of people uh, for business owners and about how important it is that um, not just the right people, but people actually uh, basically thinking in the right way and how important it is for business owners to um, for to do that. But So I think we want to move on for a little bit from there now in terms of what else actually, um, what else is really important. What um, are some of the challenges mm. that business owners have? And, and I think, Frank, you've touched on it already on, on one of the things is that we become a business owner or a business manager because we're good at doing something. So we may be good at being a plumber or a carpenter or, you know, for me, sales, for Paul, it's HR. But we're not good at something, for example, like finance and bookkeeping. Uh, some people are not good with sales and management. And here's the reality, as we all know, hey, it's part of business. <laughs> you can't work in your business in a silo and go, I'm a great accountant, and then just hope people are going to knock on your door and go, hey, you're the best accountant ever. Let's just work with you. If we don't know you there, how are we going to knock on your door, right? So what are some of the challenges that business owners face today? Correct. Now, now that we've covered the uh, core people as part of your products and services, the important thing then is to go out and target your audience. You know, depending on which industry you're in, the beauty of modern day living is that we have access to technology to help us uh, or to help you, the business owner, to go and reach out to your audience through great marketing to capture the attention of your um, target customers and so on. Doesn't matter whether it's retail, residential type activities or commercial business to business. It's essential that all business owners engage in marketing and sales. What's really useful then is to, you know, um, work with people. It doesn't cost an arm and a leg. You, you can pick up a lot of that online in YouTube type videos and so on. If you're really stuck, go to business.gov.au as a website. Some great resources in there uh, to do a very basic marketing plan. Marketing is really about attracting attention from your um, customers or target customers with the objective of getting them to contact you or to come to your uh, premises to buy your products and services and the thing to notice that note there is that marketing is getting the right attention we don't want to be throwing mud against the wall and seeing what's going to stick correct the you know marketing doesn't have to be expensive you know the thanks to the internet thanks to websites and importantly um, social media in particular facebook linkedin instagram 
probably the key areas. Again, it applies to both residential sales or consumer sales and business-to-business sales. Um, doesn't cost a lot of money, in t- and in, importantly, the return on investment. That's what you're looking for. Um, the important thing is to sit with a marketing expert. Uh, there's a lot of people. Be careful. There's a lot of people out there who <laughs> I was gonna say exactly call themselves, yeah. you know, whether it's digital marketers or marketing consultants and so on. Because the important thing about anyone coming to help you is that they truly understand a your product and service offering, and importantly, your customers and how to get that message crafted and. Uh, you know, distributed or broadcast out there. That's a very good point, Frank. One thing we often say as well is that um, it's about getting the right experts around you and being very cautious if uh, somebody is trying to sell you an off-the-shelf solution because that could also be a very much a waste of money as well. And going back to your point about getting the return investment, um, if somebody is getting a solution given to them that's, uh, that's the wrong one, um, then uh, there's going to be you know, little or zero return investment there. Correct. And, and what I want to say to you, Frank, is so you've got the marketing in place now, right? So we've found the right experts to surround ourselves with. We have the message, and I suppose that's also quite important. What is your message? What do you want your customers to know about you? And it's all very well and good filling up your pipeline, but if you're doing nothing with it, then you're in a whole different world of pain, aren't you? Well, it, it's one thing getting the attention of your customers. The other thing is to convert them into sales, mm-hmm. whether it's over the counter or sales orders from your factory and so on. And uh, again, seek guidance. Um, it's not expensive generally, and for a small investment, uh, the art of securing the sale is very important. Uh, again, lots of people as in lots of business owners don't do it so well. Um, the only thing I'd suggest as an individual is be really sincere and passionate about your product. Mm. A, a lot of mm. business owners you know, don't portray that enthusiasm for the products and services. It's really important to um, distinguish what's different about you compared to Joe Bloggs next door. And it's not hard. Um, yeah, I, most of the time you just have to show up, right? Or deliver coffee to my table, apparently. And you deliver coffee to the table. <laughs> well, it doesn't smile. take much to, fl- to produce Frank. Just a, deliver coffee to the table and he's good to go. A smile helps. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And a smile is free. So, you know, there's nothing better than a cheery face first thing in the morning when you get your coffee. <laughs> yeah, I would say. Or someone saying, hey, Frank, another flat wine. You say, fantastic, go for mm. it. Yeah. Mm. And in fact, I, uh, on my way to... to one of the companies that I am outsourcing into at the moment and helping them, I walk past a coffee shop and they know me now. So as I walk past, whether I planned on buying coffee or didn't, I get this, hey Mia, half strength flat white. Yes, listeners, you can bring me one, I'll drink it. (laughs) (laughs) And I know now that I'm committed to actually going in and paying for the coffee when sometimes I just don't want it. But because of that service, that enthusiasm, that greeting, knowing what I want, he's got the sale. Look, the important thing about that, Mia, is that building of relationships, Mm. people Mm. to people. Mm. You know, people buy from people who they know, like, and trust. Mm. Yep. And to the extent that a business owner and their staff do these simple things of engaging with the customer, invariably the customer will come back Mm. to your coffee shop 
and so on. Even if they prefer a different brand of coffee, they will come back to your store. And it's very important because I'm trying to try and think back a few years ago now as well. And uh, I used to regularly visit a coffee shop uh, where, where I used to live, and um, a lot of that was down to probably the was actually dare I say it down to the service was so excellent. Um, maybe the coffee wasn't of the highest standard. Um, now I think maybe I've changed a bit now, but high standard coffee <laughs> now is a is, is is a benchmark for me. Um, but uh, but certainly the service yeah. was excellent. So I, I went. How back. they make you feel, Frank? Um, it's interesting we're talking about this marketing and sales, and well, I understand understand you know that marketing and sales is a double-edged sword you can build up your pipeline but if you're not converting there's no point building up your pipeline you can know how to convert be really good at converting but if your pipeline's empty well what are you converting and Paul and I were at a, a strategy session a few weeks ago and one of the the gentlemen there likened it to this analogy which I'll share with you which I thought was a really good one I'd like to get your thoughts on it and it was saying as business owners we go fishing we know where the good spots are right and we fish and we get it all in and we bring it back to the factory and we clean it up and we do what we need to do and then we go and we sell it and then all of a sudden we look back and the fish are gone now all of a sudden we've got to get back onto the boat and start the whole process all over again so we're actually getting in our own way of making sales what strategies can you give to business owners to remind us and to make sure we're implementing these strategies that we are continuously filling up our pipeline so that we don't have to run back into the ocean and go fishing again? Isn't that a wonderful expression, pipeline? And by the way, it, does, <laughs> it applies not just to, say, contracting businesses where you actually build your pipeline of contracts. You, again, you think of that humble old coffee shop, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I work with um, retail hospitality as in restaurants and fast food outlets the important thing is to know your customers what does that mean that every day of the week you should know the for example the foot traffic which goes past your business in the morning lunchtime afternoon and so on i've got a restaurant in a strategic position as you know retail is about you know physical position mm -hmm. and that particular restaurant in the right position is able to do breakfast morning tea two lunch sittings afternoon tea and at least two dinner sittings that is an amazing mm. you know use of real estate mm. Mm. and the way to do it and i come back to this thing called excellent product excellent customer service mm. and that engagement with the customers when you do that uh it makes it much easier to fill in the pipeline absolutely no that's great frank well we'll come back for a bit more in a, in a, in a few moments time you're listening Definitely to talk about because one of the things oh, we wanted to touch on sorry and i know i jumped in there <laughs> retention and uh repeat business that's so important it is and so I think, important i think that a number of small businesses forget the value of retention what are the their retention strategies they have and they forget the value of repeat business so frank i'd love to hear your input on that yes yep you're listening to power up with me and paul and our guest today frank Choi, on a live 90.5 when we left off, we spoke a little bit about retention strategies and repeat business. And I was saying to you that some of the customers, well, all my customers, I've got about 15% of them that even that actually have a documented retention policy and strategy, which is sad when you think about the cost associated just to get one customer. And I wanted to get an idea from you what your thoughts were on retention. I mean, we all know retention is great, but what are your thoughts on retention strategies? 
It, it's very important, Mia, in, in, especially in business to business where you have uh, repeat transactions um, of the same product. Uh, doesn't matter what it is. And uh, it's really useful for um, suppliers to maintain contact with their customers uh, in, and, and for the, you know, not for the social reasons. You know, you, they, they go off to football stadiums and so on. What's really important is to keep up to date with your customer's business, to see what's happening in it, to look at making suggestions for innovation uh, in terms of, you know, products and ingredients and so on, and in terms of the service delivery. Um, and the bigger your business grows, the more important it is to invest uh, in good systems. They don't cost a lot of money, um, called CRM systems, mm -hmm. which keeps a database uh, of all your clients, what they buy, historical transactions, and so on. And importantly, it programs you or schedules you to go and visit the customers to pick up more information or intelligence on what's happening in the marketplace. It becomes a partnership type arrangement where your key customers rely on you for mm -hmm. great ideas. And it's, it's interesting what you say there because this is, I know Paul, I'm, I'm turning my back on you now. <laughs> we're I'm still about, here. Yeah, talking about my passion here. I always say make it difficult for your customers to leave you. Put yourself in such a position that you know everything about them, you know what their market is doing, you know what the industry is doing, you know what they need in order to take their business to the next level. And guess what? It is so difficult for them to find somebody to replace you because you become that strategic partner, that outside force that sees things differently. Now they can't leave you. Yeah. 100% <laughs> yeah, because, you know, um, and... When you get to that sort of relationship, you know, it, it's a two-way street. It's not a one, definitely not a one-way street yeah, because, you know, you, you're constantly having interactions uh, almost sometimes on a daily basis. You know, I've got a client where they do product development um, on behalf of the, the customer supermarkets. And the important thing is your customers rely on your technical expertise and to make suggestions for them to improve their product range, uh, in this case, in terms of consumer products, irrespective of the product, the important thing is that collaboration and sharing of information and getting that lock-in relationship. Um, and that lasts for many, many years. And depending on the size of, their bus of your business, Frank, what are your thoughts on your retention policy only being emails going through, which we know today have got, what, a 20% open rate, and that's if we're really, really lucky. You're, you're very lucky to get a 20% <laughs> open rate. In fact, <laughs> um, if, if you're going to communicate with clients, sometimes it's even better to use SMS texts mm -hmm. or WhatsApp because of their brevity and you're more likely to get a reply on a text message. Mm. And most importantly, um, be innovative and change it up, change it down. Use, you know, uh, videos occasionally through social media and so on to do your uh, public broadcast. Importantly, schedule face-to-face -face meetings. And I agree with you so much on that one because, you know what, a phone call, and, and I've got a customer who doesn't have more than maybe 200 cust uh, customers themselves, and they go, well, how am I supposed to phone all these people? You've only got 200 customers. Schedule your time over the next, uh, the next year 
who are you going to contact and when? Because you don't have to speak to them every single day. And it's sometimes just that follow-up. You know who your top ten are. You know who you want to be keeping more and more in contact with. But make a phone call. What yep. is that schedule? 200 is not a lot of customers in today's day and age. It, it definitely isn't. And, the, you know, the, the cost, marketing cost, is small compared to having to go and get a new customer. Mm-hmm. In, importantly, your time and resources, when it's well scheduled, you're always scouting the horizon for new products delivered by you to products and services and importantly looking to get new customers mm-hmm. because there's two parts to marketing one is customer retention and the other one is looking for new customers and if you're doing what you're doing right and you have great retention policies and you have that return business when you get to the point as we mentioned earlier with the fishing analogy where you turn around and the fish are, the, you know the boat is empty and you've got to go out and fish at least you know that there is a retention policy in place that repeat business is coming and it gives you that i don't know a tiny sense of security that something is coming but if you're not actively looking at retaining your customers and, and getting that repeat business and let's be honest, I mean, when it comes to social media, how, if, or how often do you land up going down the rabbit hole and spending three hours watching little kittens play with balls of yarn <laughs> and all you were actually wanting to do... Speak for yourself, man. <laughs> how often do you find yourself watching trains go around a train track <laughs> when all you actually wanted to do was to, I don't know, invest in a new pair of running shoes, but now everything's gone pear-shaped and you've got lost. So what are you doing? What are your thoughts around that? It comes back to that fishing analogy, you know. Um, it, the thing about business is you can never ever stand still, right? It, it's business is constantly dynamic, to the extent that you neglect it, uh, your business will go backwards. So, off, always go fishing. Yeah. Very wise advice, Frank. <laughs> and uh, look, I, I was rather quiet during that segment there, and uh, uh, heard a few insults coming across the desk from the air there. So uh, <laughs> we'll be back soon. Yeah, uh, before we go, yeah, on. Frank. One of the challenges we said was marketing and sales. Yes. And yes, Paul, we did throw you out the conversation. And I apologise deeply. My heart is very sore for that. <laughs> it was an area of passion of yours, Mia. I so almost got that fine. through on a straight face. But <laughs> and we've spoken a little bit about people. Are there HR strategies that need to be implemented? Is that a challenge that business have? HR is a constant uh, or continual challenge because of the nature of people. People are variable. People come and go. So... In the next segment, let's talk about. Yeah, there you go, Paul. We'll give you HR strategies and I won't say a thing. Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to a live 90.5. This is the Power Up Show with me and Paul and our guest today, Frank Choi. Well, Paul, big crocodile eye, big crocodile tears because in the previous. Um, segment. Frank and I were talking marketing and sales. Um, definitely my passion. Frank, you tend you, you appear to have a real passion for marketing and sales too. So yes. I'm going to hand over the reins now. And why don't you have a chat about what your passion is? Because it's definitely, as Frank has indicated, a challenge mm. for small businesses. Oh, and businesses in general, I suppose. And that is around HR strategies. So I'm going to hand the floor over to the two of you. Fabulous. And uh, and Frank, just from your perspective, um, why do you think having an HR strategy is, is important for a business? HR is typically a big, big part of the cost structure of any business. Um, if you're looking at manufacturing or the trades or even hospitality, the, the cost of labour is typically 30 to 40% of your revenue, as in 
Mm. Four out of ten dollars of billing is your labor cost. Yep. Labor is where you're going to make or lose money in mm. business. Mm. Mm. And typically, companies, unless there's theft, do not struggle with materials costs. Um, take your pick. Any industry, whether mm. it's professional services, um, medical services, the trades and construction. Uh, let me use an example. In the trades, and I'll pick on electrical contracting, contractors typically quote for jobs at 15% job profit. As in, after all the labor costs and material costs on site, they will make $15 out of 100 which is very low, mm. right? Because mm. then you've got to take out the overheads, the office costs, vehicle costs, and so on. What's really important is that managers manage the people on site mm. or in a restaurant and so on to um, reduce the labor cost as a percentage of sales. And it's very feasible. Mm. There's two ways of doing it. One is the right manning levels People often put too many people on the job. Yep. And secondly, uh, productivity on the job. Yeah. And it's interesting because one of the things I find myself uh, saying a lot is that um, here I look to help businesses get the most out of their people, and that's getting productivity, and productivity then feeds into profit. And um, I know from the conversations we've had about this as well, it's it's very aligned to your thinking too. Yes, absolutely. Again, to use. Um, numbers as a benchmark of sorts it's very feasible for a construction or trades company to make a profit before tax mm. after all the expenses mm. um, of around 15 to 20 percent sadly a lot of uh, operators uh, go in the wrong direction they end up making losses because they haven't controlled the labor costs mm. Mm to the extent that they go broke and out of business. And that, that is really the importance of labour cost management. One of the things that I've noticed is that uh, when it comes to labour cost, uh, business owners don't actually take into account their own time. So, for example, if I owned a business and you two worked for me, I would... Yes, I know, Frank, it could happen. <laughs> when I become supreme overlord of the world, you can be my financial advisors. <laughs> But, you know, I will cost out your time and I'll know exactly what you are, you know, your cost to the company is. And every time that you go out, I have costed that. The same thing for Paul, I would cost him out. But then what I forget to do is actually cost out my time. Mm -hmm. And I want to then be sure that I'm giving extra value and extra service. So now all of a sudden I might be spending three, four, five hours on a client. I'm not costing it. And then when I actually sit back and I do that costing, I am losing an exorbitant amount of money. And I haven't even realized I've done it because as business owners, we devalue how much we're actually worth. Is that something you find when you're working with business owners and managers? Yes. A lot of business owners, A, forget to actually pay themselves. Um, and Sometimes when you in the startup phase, yes, it is a challenge to have money left over at the end of the day. Importantly, and I'll, I'll come back to the issue of business growth because that's a key part of the conversation. Um, it's very important that when you set up a business, allow yourself 
a wage or a salary, say it's you know fifty, sixty, eighty thousand um, dollars, and the important thing about that, apart from being able to pay for the groceries and the kids going to school, is you got to factor that cost as part of doing business. Mm. That's what Robert Kiyosaki says, doesn't he? he? He's the one who's famous for saying, I pay myself first and the, yes. bills, the rest of the bills get paid after that. Yes, just be careful, right? You read a bit about it, and this is the other extreme uh, of, you know, incorrect business behaviour, especially with some of the tech startups. You know, they, they raise $20, $30 million, and suddenly they pay themselves $200,000 mm. of salary mm. without even making a cent in the business, <laughs> in terms of business profit, <laughs> right? A surefire way of going broke because you've, you know, loaded up your cost structure and, more importantly, you haven't earned a cent. So coming back to this issue of the um, cost structure of a business, typically when you cost your products and services, it's very important to add an overhead figure, which includes your owner's or manager's salary, and typically that's about, say, 10% uh, on top of the other costs. In other words, if your materials cost is 30 to 40%, uh, your direct labor, as in people at the coalface, cost about, again, 30 to 40 your overhead's another 10%. So that's roughly a total of 80% uh, of your revenue figure, or 90%. Um, so your minimum profit before tax, after all expenses, should be 10% of your revenue. In other words, if your business has annual revenue or income of $1 million, you should have a profit or leftover in cash of $100,000 before tax or 10%. And I know with the manufacturing firm, because I used to work with the manufacturing firm, the costing is so important. It's working out and understanding what the chain is from the beginning all the way to the end and what the time is. And I know it takes a lot of work at the beginning, but once you know how long it's going to take person A or it's going to take Frank to do this and then it's going to get passed to Paul and how long it's going to take Paul to do that and then it's going to get passed to you know myself and how long it's going to take me to do that and then assign a cost to every single step along the way, all of a sudden you're starting to see a clear-cut idea of where your pricing should be and surprisingly enough people start to realize where they're actually losing money because if i've assigned you a, a, a role frank and i'm saying well in theory it should be taking you two hours and you're coming back to me and you're telling me it's taking four hours that's either an indication to me that hang on frank's not engaged he's not doing what he said he should be doing or frank doesn't have the right tools in order to achieve the target that i've set him correct um mia you surprised me with <laughs> your experiences in manufacturing Manufacturing is one of the great industries, if only because there's so many factors and variables involved in converting raw materials or ingredients into mm. a finished product, whether they go through machine process or human handling. There's a lot of variations on the way, and importantly, there's lots of opportunities to keep the cost down. And to the extent that you do, you make a superior profit. Oh, absolutely, and one of the one of the little tricks that I do. So here's a free trick, listeners, that I normally charge <laughs> tens and thousands of dollars for. 
and that is raising the minimum sell price by 10% to your sales staff. So, for example, if I'm selling a, a, a tablet and I say you can negotiate down as, lo- as low as, say, for example, $1,000 because I know that's the minimum I, minimum I can sell it, guess what? I'm going to start making a loss very quickly because how often do salespeople default to the minimum? But just by raising your minimum price by 10%, you know that even if that salesperson is going to drop to the minimum price, at least you're making 10%. And that's just a small little trick that implementing that in business, all of a sudden you see that cost practice, that profitability go up slightly, but at least by 10%. It is straight to the bottom line, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just on the same subject, you know, people often, as in business owners, often feel inhibited in increasing their selling prices. I was working with a um, vehicle workshop once uh, some time ago, and they were charging for their mechanics at $90 an hour. And I said, guys, how about you increase it up to $97 an hour? And they said, we can't do that. I said, guys, unless you tell the client that you're changing it from 90 to 97 because typically you say um, labor in the workshop, X dollars, the customer won't know about it because it's so small in terms of total dollars, that they will not complain. Mm-hmm. More importantly, you've increased your revenue figure. Because yeah. hopefully they're they're basically happy and retain customers that come back regardless anyway. 100%. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Frank, for that. Um, we're going to go for a break now. Um, you're listening to a Live 95.5 uh, with Mia and Paul, and I guess today, Frank Choi. And when we come back, um, maybe we, Mia, do you think we should be going with our focus for, for 2030? Yeah, I'd love to hear Frank's thoughts on that. Sounds good. Thanks, Frank, for Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. And, Dad, if you're listening, um, let's just pretend I picked that song for you and I'm remembering all those... Actually, Mia, I have a confession. Frank actually chose a different Neil Diamond song, which I couldn't find in the library. We've always worked out that I'm not very good at tracking down music in the library. So uh, I can't remember which one actually Frank chose then. It doesn't matter which one he chose because I have have nightmares of Neil Diamond and long road trips. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad punishing us. It was the last Picasso that I was looking for but couldn't find it. I'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) Frank, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on 2030 where we are going and we had a, a couple of discussions you know prior to the show starting and you had so much insight and knowledge around that so 2030 what do you think we need to be doing today to prepare ourselves okay it, it's such a business is such a wonderful thing because it involves people it involves knowledge and a better society because business at the end of the day uh, is about doing things better for the betterment of people generally. Um, when you think about it, you know, on the people front at the moment, <laughs> it's quite amusing to listen to managers complain about, you know, Gen Y and so on, uh, supposedly about their attitudes and communication styles and so on. Let me come back to that in a, in a moment. The other important thing which will happen uh, or is happening is the ongoing advance of technology. Uh, Obviously, artificial intelligence comes to mind. Um, I think what we've learned from today is that when robots take over the world, Paul and I, we are (laughs) hopelessly in depth (laughs) to deal with that. Mm, Yes, yes. Yes. Particularly robots that seem to be creeping into the studio today (laughs) to take over the show, yeah. That's right. In fact, 
we might not even be sitting in studios. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Talk, robots talking to one another. So what do you think about the role of AI is going to be on business um, moving forward? I mean, I, I read a very interesting article yesterday. <laughs> well, I mean, interesting. I'm using the word very loosely here. But it was with regards to moving forward in terms of uh, couples getting divorced, that they're looking at building an AI program so that if, you know, Frank, if we're married and we decide that we're going to get divorced, we can actually put everything in there and it already gives us an idea as to what we are both owed in the relationship, uh, thereby cutting out a lot of person time, uh, a lot of lawyers, well, not lawyers, I mean, we love lawyers, right? <laughs> but also it brings out, it, it removes the emotion. So you're actually heading into mediation already almost aware of what to expect. And I mean, that's just one aspect of what AI is going to do. What do you think AI is going to do for business? Look, AI will pick up on the, call it the drudgery for the moment, at least, of, you know, a lot of, um, call it transactional activity of business. Would you not say that that's already been happening with AI? I mean, the secretary or reception, as we know them, they are for the most part gone because we've got the AI, you know, press one for so-and-so, press two for so-and-so. Uh, that's an interesting point because, you know, as, as you know, human behavior or, um, or even social mores and more importantly, the in thing uh, will fluctuate as time goes by. And um, apart from there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to human nature, it, it's a given that cycles come and go mm -hmm. and it could well be that a different form of you know uh, functionality happens in organizations whether it's in an office or in a um, research laboratory and so on at the end of the day uh, in the next 10 years um, it's hard to see ai getting to the stage of 100 percent emulating human emotion and reasoning mm. and so on. It's um, interesting because it, it reminds me of a conversation I've had separately with both of you as well in terms <laughs> of what I do, but you, unbeknown to you both, you both came to the same conclusion. That's and just I, because we're smart. Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's right. <laughs> well, I certainly remember the first conversation I ever had with Frank. We talked about what, what I do and uh, uh, from an HR perspective. And, and I remember Frank's question now, do you deal with strategy or do you deal with um, transactional compliance? And I said, well, I can do the transactional compliance, but it's actually strategy where, uh, you know, I feel that um, I have the most value to businesses for thinking about um, helping them get the best out of their, their people, as I've already talked about. And I remember almost the identical conversation with, with yourself, Mia, as well. And, and I think you took the view, both of you, in terms of, well, AI will end up overtaking a lot more of that transactional mm. side. Um, and some roles we're I mean. going to find. I mean, Frank, what are your thoughts on this? There's some industries, which I think we've started to see already, but there's industries that are just going to become, dare I say, dead in, not industry, sorry, some roles or, or, or functions within society that are just going to disappear because AI has taken it over. Look, there will be many industries uh, where... Uh, machines or artificial intelligence will take over for you know so pick a simple example um things like supermarket checkouts that already is underway mm. with auto, mm. you know machines doing mm. your checkouts mm. and um and so on the what's useful to keep in mind is the socio uh political aspects of change when it comes to um human you know the role of human beings in the next not just 10 years, but 20, 30, 50 years. Mm -hmm. 
Frank, I'd love to get you on to have this discussion mm. in more detail because mm. I don't think we've given it enough justice because I think, you know, where I see this part of the conversation is going to human morality. We, we have these systems where it's going to almost become like an honest system, check out properly, and we know that there's even the most honest, well, I say most honest people, but there are people out there who would normally not say boo or break the law at all will still try chance it with an automatic checkout mm. to see if they can get their cucumbers for the price of tomatoes <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> well, the good news, Mia, is that uh, Frank uh, Off Air has already agreed to come back later in the year. So uh, we, can, we can get Frank back to talk and, about that a lot more. And I'd time. like to talk, Frank, about the future, about 2030, 2040, 2015, because um, we focused on the business elements where we are today, mm. but I'd really like to focus on the future of where we think business is going because we need to be preparing, right? Absolutely, absolutely oh, right. 100%. The, let, let's um, tackle that in particular, you know, uh, with respect to SMEs. The, you know, the what's important for SMEs is to look ahead in the next five to ten years in terms of, to, again, the role of human beings given mm. not just artificial intelligence but also the, you know, call it advances in society, um, changes in demographics and so on and so on. Importantly, Gen Y um, or Gen Z um, is going to be a totally different proposition because mm. already they do not operate with the traditional um, way organizations are structured or the processes uh, mm -hmm. which they um, use in their organizations. Very simple reason for that is this is a much more educated um, bunch of people. Uh, they will change jobs much more than you and I have mm -hmm. uh, in, our, in our time on this planet. Um, and um, their, you know, the work which they undertake or their, you know, the way they live their lives will be totally different. Absolutely. Um, so certainly in the next 10, 20 years. Uh, importantly, you know, key things to keep in mind is growing uh, global population, the influence of technology. Mm. Um, it's hard to say the influence of governments and so on, given the... Um, polarity at the moment <laughs> but I imagine that will settle down over yeah. the next five years or so. Because that's what politics does settle um, down. <laughs> you know, politics gets crazy because uh, it's a cyclical thing. Mm -hmm. uh, it has been impacted by you know, simple things like globalization and low interest rates and the um, transfer of um, jobs from one country to mm. the next. Uh, well, I think we've got a great thing, great segue to sort of like yeah. then to, to get back to talk about that further. Frank, if you're happy to do that, we'd love yeah, to have absolutely. you back later on in the year to go, to go through that. I I would just like to personally thank you for, as always, sharing your knowledge and wisdom. Um, I'm just delighted I've got to the point where I could share it with Mia and our <laughs> listeners as well. So thank you very much for your time. Sorry, and Frank, when really Frank comes it. back, he will be preparing the haka for us. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> yes. That's probably going to be June or July. Um <laughs> Gives you plenty of time to practice. There will be no excuses. We'll be back in a second to hear from uh, Julian Ann. And then you're listening to Miriam Paul on Live Point on Thank you. And we are back with the lovely, lovely ladies from Pick and Mix. How are you, ladies? We're good. We're good. Thank you very How much. How are you? Yeah. Oh, look, we're just always so awesome. <laughs> what can we say? I mean, we try to hold back our awesomeness, but we just can't do it. Yeah. We can't compete with that, can we? I mean, <laughs> until 2 o'clock. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, and what have you got in store for us today from 2 o'clock? Yeah, what have you got in store? I want to know. 
Well, we've got a special guest today. We've got the lady that was the founder of the Hills Women's Shed joining us after three o'clock for an interview, a lady called Dr. Padmini Halpage. So she'll be able to tell us all about the Hills Women's Shed, oh, wow. the, you know, the purpose, the reasoning behind it, how it came into being, and uh, obviously tell us a little bit about what the Hills Women's Shed does and what it offers. Outstanding. Now, we were just talking off air quickly that we we're going to start a band, the Power Up Show mm-hmm. featuring Pick and Mix. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 the Pick and Mix featuring Power Up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that conversation. Just don't let, just don't did, let me sing. Did, did you remember that part of the conversation? <laughs> I would like to play a song for you because I feel like it ties up this relationship we have with you really well. Can I just say that I was going here? Yes, so just turn the sound up. So you've got to listen to the words, ladies. It's really good. Paul, you've got to listen to the words. And I think this really sums up the relationship between Pick a Mix and Power Up Show. And with that, we're going to be excited to listen to what you ladies have for us. I just had to share that. The mean old man making us run around in circles. <laughs> and in this instance, let's pretend that's Paul, shall we? <laughs> yeah, I knew that was Carl. I knew it was going back in my direction. And I love the way he's in his corner as well. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, Paul's naughty corner. He's yeah. backing out towards the door. <laughs> Just catch him. I reckon we could take him, ladies. We, we've got it within us to take him. Uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing your show as always. And um, it was lovely having you in. And uh, you'll be back in soon with ABBA. Yes, yes. we will. Yeah.